Matt Hines here. This is the Triple Bottom Line Podcast. I'm going to tell you today about a trip I went out to Pop's old place, a farm in Herlock, Maryland, um, a couple days ago. And uh, it we got a, basically a farm presentation about uh, rotationally grazing based farm where um, the main product that they sold were was was the meat and, and some eggs. Uh, they have an on-site farm stand. They sell out of the um, meat out of the freezers there. And uh, I think people will buy oftentimes bulk amounts. I think she wholesales some of it. Uh, but uh, so I wanted to talk about this because, you know, in the broader context, this is about ecological, best ecological practices and also best social practices especially but the the top of the topic was um what did they call this meeting that we had it was profitability uh through a rotational grazing operation this is not conventional this is not the way that we conventionally raise animals we usually do most of the meat you get at the store it's concentrated animal feeding operation meats (laughs) Um, and well that's like i think the worst practice socially but it's also um, but it does create the cheapest meats and then there are many better practices than that that are still not as good as rotational grazing. And uh, but and it's not necessarily to say that what they were doing on this farm was the absolute best practices, but I think they were very, very good practices, and. It was based. This talk was a basic, basically about the what is the strategy and identifying where you have to stretch to make this work. And you have to go the extra mile in order to to do it this way, in order to get the ecological benefit. And it may be more difficult to profit off of it this way. It is more difficult to profit off this way. So you have to make some what of a sacrifice. in order to have better ecological practices. Um, So I think this is a very important model to to talk about uh, what can happen on a broader scale and what would need to get done. So I wanted, I've got a bunch of brochures I could tell you what I saw and then what her place was and then I've got a bunch of other brochures about this topic of rotational grazing and just really delving into this for uh, an episode because I think the concept is really really important and then well there's a lot of information just about pasturing 
that, uh, you know, this is literally getting into the weeds a little bit here for most people. And I know what they would want to be. Why would you want to be it? know anything about this. Well, I think there are a few things that just a basic awareness of this is really interesting. And it will just, I guess the, the only the thing, this is for anybody who's interested in climate change or climate science, or you're, you can, you're concerned about the environment in any way. This is not, I don't think this is common knowledge. Um, <clears throat> Maybe it's increasing, but a basic understanding of soil science, but then also pasture science. So first, let me just talk you through, uh, this is a Pop's Old Place. And this is Darlene Goringer and Arthur Wilson. They've been doing... Uh, these practices for 20 years on Darlene's family farm. Her father grew soybeans and corn conventionally uh, previously. Darlene said that her parents had the best of intentions, but the soils were just totally scorched and didn't have a lot of nutrition left in them. They were in really bad shape when she got them and when she t- took over the management in 1999. So they were they went away from using chemical herbicides and pesticides, tried to use a more biodynamic way of farming to rebalance the soil. <clears throat> um, regenerative farming is a key for what Darlene sees what she's trying to do here. And she defines that as producing nutritious food for our community while focusing on soil health, animal welfare, and environmental stewardship. So she has, uh, I, don't re- I don't remember the dimensions. I think each paddock was is like two acres. She has these two acre fenced off portions and she's got I believe eight of them fenced off um, these well five of them are connected to like a main barn area where the animals will go during the coldest months especially the smaller ones and, and by the way she's got cows sheep she's got chickens and pigs but especially for the rotational grazing, she's rotationally grazing the cows and the sheep, not so much the pigs or the chickens. Um, so she has like home bases for them, but then she's got these fenced off paddock areas that she moves the animals through on a calculated basis. And they actually gave us this stick. <laughs> A measuring stick basically where you stick it in there and it will tell you it's so much of it is about the height of the grass so you want the you want the grasses to get up to like six inches to a foot off the ground and then you bring the animals in there and they 
munch away, but then you don't want them to munch too far down. Once it gets to like four inches or three inches, then you, you want to move the animals to the next paddock. So I think two acres, she, Darlene was trying to get, cut these in half. She wanted to have fences, another fence running through the middle to make these one acre paddocks. She thought that would be a little bit better. And I think that's somewhat understood to be, and she has how many sheep, like 50 or so. So it depends on how many you have, but I think for that size, one acre paddocks are even better. If you have a one acre paddock and you have 50 sheep coming through, then you're probably going to keep them there like for three days or so. And then you move them onto the, and that's how long it will take them to eat down six to eight inch grasses down to four inches. And then you want to move them onto the next one. And what this does, it is max, it's basically maximizing the nutrition for the animals. And at the same time, it's maximizing the health of the soils and the grasses. So this is, in, in that way, it's sustainable. This, this is sustainable animal management. So I know there's a lot of like push to ha totally eliminate animal agriculture and that there's a sense that it's like, it's all bad. There's no way to do it sustainably, but I just don't, I don't think that's true. And in fact, I think animals can be beneficial because you, you, she uses the animals to to rest, that's one of the keys. She's using the animals to restore the well-being of the pastures out there that were wiped out from this soybean and corn agriculture, which ironically, that's what we would be eating a lot more of if we did, uh, if we went totally away from animal agriculture. But at the same time, I know you can also say that a lot of the corn and the soy that we're growing, we grow for the animals. But what she's the way she's doing it, she and she's gone really far in this way where she doesn't bring they they're totally grass fed, one hundred percent grass fed. And I know that word is thrown out there a lot. And what does that actually mean? Well, that's I mean, take it take it literally. Like they only are eating grasses as opposed to um, grains and, and something that you are harvest, you're like growing it a whole field specifically for like, it's corn and soybeans mostly and different kinds of wheats and barleys and stuff too. So you take a whole field and you put it in and you grow just that and you harvest it and then you import it to where the animals are penned in a pen and it's just really crazy because you could instead just bring the animals through that whole that same plot of land and what it results in is way better nutrition for the animals and way it's way better for the soil <laughs> so this is a big this is big and uh i think it's really important so, 
And what else can I say about this? Now, the University of Maryland Extension was the ones that put this on. And it was interesting to see how they... Uh, oh, well, hold on. Let me go back really quick to just say that you can also do rotational grazing seasonally but then you bring the animals in and it's through the winter months where it, it becomes more challenging to not grain feed them and she, and she was she was talking about how because she's strictly not grain fed you know the the thing about the grains is they they fatten up the animals way faster it's way um Though it's not as nutritious in terms of micronutrients, it is more nutritious in terms of calories. So the animal will grow faster on greens than on just grass-fed. And she recognized this, and she laid out some of the numbers for what that mean. What that means in terms of the numbers. I mean, that's just more time in between that you're going to have to be caring for each animal which because she's rotationally grazing there's there's not a huge number in terms of like the feed costs that's going to be addition additional if the animals are going to take longer to get to the weight that they need to be at but what it there are other costs associated with this too, like veterinary care and time. So that is still a factor. And it's somewhat of a sacrifice that you personally have to make for your own profits when you're doing this in order to have a mind for the future generations. So, and actually, I'm not going to go through all these brochures. I can do that another time. I think that's a good one, good one to end on, good way to end this uh, discussion. But uh, rotationally grazing of animals is a key strategy, it seems, that can be used to mitigate climate catastrophe and it could also probably it probably has a lot to do with the obesity epidemic that we're facing and also just the viability of farming as a way to make a living <laughs>